Schönen guten Tag und Ni Hao. The director of the now 130-year-old Kunsthistorisches Museum Wien is art historian Sabine Haag. Under her direction, great works of art from over 5,000 years of human history come to life. The museum enjoys high recognition worldwide. Carrying the historical heritage into future generations, leaving an ecological footprint, remaining internationally networked and at the same time conveying the relaxed atmosphere of Vienna. Sabine Haag has mastered this balancing act. Dear Ms. Haag, uh, we are delighted that you found the time to speak to us today. My pleasure. Uh, and um, I just want to start right in. Um, Except for, let's call it a brief interruption, you have been the director of the Kunsthistorische Museum in Vienna since 2009, and it's the largest museum in Austria with a total of seven locations. But um, I would like to let our listeners know that 2009 is not the year your relationship started with this museum. Well, this is actually true. My relationship with the Kunsthistorisches Museum started in 1990. Mm -hmm. This was a long time ago. This was immediately after my university studies when I had the enormous chance to start working at the Kunsthistorisches mm -hmm. Museum in, a, in the, the most wonderful collection of the so-called Kunstkammer mm -hmm. and the treasuries, when my professor at the university, who had a strong tie also with the Kunsthistorisches Museum, uh, said that he knows that they were looking for someone who would kind of type the inventory mm -hmm. into the newly bought computers. Before that, it was only handwritten, the inventory. Oh, wow. And he said, I know it might be boring, mm -hmm. but you should work in a museum, you must work in a museum, and this could be something like a door opener. Mm -hmm. So actually my relationship, my working relationship with the Kunsthistorisches Museum started in 1990, mm -hmm. even though my love for the arts and for the Kunsthistorisches Museum uh, dates back much, much longer. I must guess so. And um, in, in this uh, period of time, is there any anecdote of an exceptional or unusual occurrence you would like to share with us? <laughs> well, there are many, but probably something that people still keep asking me about is um, the famous incident of the salt cellar by Benvenuto Cellini ah, yeah. mm -hmm. that was stolen from the museum and I uh, was closely connected with it, not with the, the theft of, of the object, but um, uh, on Mother's Day in 2003, mm -hmm. it was detected that the museum was stolen overnight and uh, by then director general was not in Vienna so I was called because it was the main object of my collection the, the Kunstkammer collection so I was almost literally one of the first people standing in front of the crashed um, showcase oh, mm -hmm. and uh, with the with no object in there mm -hmm. and um, and of course this was an enormous tragedy and um, and it really was something like a trauma for two and a half years uh, until the stolen object, the Saliera by Benvenuto Cellini yeah. um, came back in January 2006 mm -hmm. and I was again called and, and asked by the police, please unpack it, please 
uh, tell us whether this is the original yeah. and because also the by then director general was not in Vienna so again I was called and yeah. I thought I always thought this was fair in, you know in, 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 mm-hmm. in the course of history and uh, so I had to unpack the object and I could uh, authenticate it and say that's the Saliera that was stolen two and a half years yeah. ago and and then again of course in my newer uh, function as director general starting in 2009 I was the one to put it uh, into a new showcase when we um, uh, reinstalled and and did a new concept for the Kunstkammer and I always said you know once we're ready I want to put in um, the Saliera in the in the new vitrine and yeah this was the case that is definitely one of a kind of a story. <laughs> yes, I mean, uh, I would not want to uh, live through it again. I have to say definitely, that should not yeah. <laughs> it should not repeat itself. But it was such a big story. It was so um, uh, unheard of. It was the first time of a substantial art mm-hmm. theft in Austria. Mm-hmm. It could have happened in any museum, but it happened in our museum just by chance. And uh, at that time, uh, all of a sudden, it became obvious that uh, museums are places, safeguards for objects. Mm-hmm. And they, they uh, uh, of course, try to p- obtain the highest level of security, the highest measurements, uh, security measurements. But uh, you can never stop mm-hmm. looking for those. And uh, ever since then, also the ministry, um, uh, uh, gives us uh, annually some money to improve mm-hmm. security measurements, uh, just always to be up to date. And this is this is true for all the federal museums in Austria. And um, and interesting enough, very often you only detect how dear, how important something is to you when you don't have it. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and and of course this this incident, which was really very very dramatic made us aware of the fact that it is important to have access everyone to cultural heritage it does not belong to a museum to a mm-hmm. specific museum but to the public and uh, that there that you always have to um, be aware of the fact what are the measurements that you have to take to to safeguard it but on the other hand to guarantee open access to make it visible the best way you can. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, thank you for sharing this um, a truly unique story. <laughs> um, something else I wanted to talk about is um, your collective experience. I guess, as for all of us individuals, the global pandemic presented you with an expanded uh, set of challenges. And museum exhibitions take an exceptional amount of planning from curatorial conception to filling out loan forms for insurance, shipping, hanging, displaying the work. All of this goes into only one exhibition. And um, what happens when a global pandemic puts exhibitions and their scheduling on an infinite pause? Well, this is, this is what happened to us, to any museum in early 2020. And of course, it means uh, it's, it's really an, an um, uh, organizational um, impact, uh, uh, which, is, which is tremendous. Because you uh, have to, you normally you negotiate every individual loan. 
uh, availability, um, uh, conservation issues, then transport, insurance, mm -hmm. and, and, and all of this. And, um, and when you have to kind of um, uh, delay or postpone exhibitions, this means that you have to kind of stop the process for the, for the planned time and have to kind of um, uh, take it up for, for, a later, for a later moment. Mm -hmm. and, uh, and of course, this means that an object might or a loan might not be available any, any, any longer because it's, it's promised to another exhibition or whatever. Uh, it might be the case most very often as it was the case also with the pandemic now uh, the budgets of course are more tight mm -hmm. you know you cannot you cannot really take your work from the full and um, this means actually it's so much more work uh, for something that you had planned already mm -hmm. and and of course um, with your exhibitions uh, you want to be very two uh, to maybe two to to um, uh, topics that are very very um, uh, exciting for a special moment in time, mm -hmm. and when you delay an exhibition, when you let's say you planned it for a special jubilee year or something like this, and you you postpone it, yeah. um, then the occasion of the jubilee is not there anymore. Then yeah. of course you you consider is it still worth doing the exhibition, or do you have some other obligations as well, or uh, does it still fit into your overall program? So every delay you do um, um, or postponement is, is, is always quite, quite difficult. Mm -hmm. And uh, a lot of people internally within the museum's organization are involved, but also many people from outside. So it's a very, very complex thing to, um, uh, to, to organize an exhibition when you have to postpone it. Um, when you do not know exactly um, when could be a very good moment to kind of uh, do the exhibition, for example, with um, international exhibitions. The Kunsthistorisches Museum, for example, is very active in presenting uh, exhibitions abroad, mm -hmm. international exhibitions. Um, we, for example, we had uh, uh, in our plans, in our program, we had an exhibition and a counter exhibition with the uh, Palace Museum in, in Beijing mm -hmm. for the, the year of 2021, when yeah. we have this 50 years uh, jubilee uh, diplomatic uh, relationships between China and Austria. Mm -hmm. uh, and this was to be celebrated by two exhibitions, one in Beijing and one in Vienna. And uh, may I ask what was the theme of this the, exhibition? The topic of the exhibition was, was basically the exchange of uh, imperial collections. Mm -hmm. We were to send uh, highlights from our former imperial collections of the Habsburg uh, to be presented in the Palace Museum in Beijing. And the Palace Museum in Beijing, they would present highlights from their collection in our Weltmuseum. Mm -hmm. So that would really be also to kind of um, uh, uh, present the analogy to 50 years diplomatic uh, relationships between the two countries um, uh, seen through through a cultural lens more or less dating mm -hmm. back many many centuries ago yeah. and uh, but s uh, during the pandemic no one could travel we could not have our colleagues from Beijing come to Vienna to uh, visit the site to speak with us you know here in Vienna mm -hmm. and of course we could not travel to Beijing to um, 
to visit uh, the palace museum to install the objects and all of this so of the, the the only the only way to solve this this um, uh, problem really it became a problem was to postpone mm -hmm. both the exhibitions and so we said to be on the safe side we would rather do it in 23 than 22 because mm -hmm. we still don't know how long will the effects of the pandemic be with us how will it how long will it affect our traveling schedules and so on so um, this is something that you cannot really plan mm -hmm. you can only stay in contact with your partner with your interna international partner and say we want to do the exhibition everything is more or less ready yeah. but we have to find a new uh, date uh, yeah. when we can when we can actually do um, uh, and perform the exhibitions. Mm -hmm. And um, talking about this problem solving you just mentioned, are there any methods um, which will continue to be used in the future that you found um, spontaneously useful maybe also? Well, I mean, what was enormously helpful is the is the the way of communication. Mm -hmm. uh, you know, you with 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 emails, uh, with with WhatsApp and and messaging messengers uh, and all of this. Uh, this is so helpful. You stay in contact. You can permanently, more or less, uh, maintain your your keep up your communication. Mm -hmm. And uh, just to make sure that you that that you keep contact, that you understand what's going on, that you can react uh, in due course, in due time, um, and and basically also uh, to see whether the original plans you had for an exhibition, for example, is still something that would be welcome, would be adequate. Let's say two years later, if yeah. if you had to postpone something. Mm -hmm. Um, let's stay in the digital. Not too long after the beginning of lockdown in Austria, museums were offered the opportunity to engage with their visitors on a different level, the digital one. And um, the Concessionische Museum addressed their audience through not only social media, but also with their interactive Concessionische Museum smartphone app which I've already tried. <laughs> and um, in an interview, you mentioned um, it is clear that if our analog museum closes, our digital museum has to open. Our motto was the museum comes to you. And I wanted to know um, what conclusions could you draw from your online presence? Mm -hmm. And um, will this online presence continue with the museum now being reopened? Yes, it became so obvious with the pandemic, it became so obvious that the um, analog museum had to find a counterpart, which is the digital museum. And uh, the digital museum, of course, is open 24 hours a day, seven days a week. So it's permanently open, it's globally open, it's mm -hmm. globally accessible and available uh, worldwide. Whereas if you want to visit the museum, our, our various uh, locations in Vienna, you have to travel to um, uh, Vienna and you have opening hours and things like this. But uh, of course, it also became obvious quite soon that the digital offers um, are different from the ones that you experience mm -hmm. once you visit the museum. Um, of course, it, it's 
still deals with the arts, it still deals with um, our objects, it's very much still on, on storytelling. Mm -hmm. You want to tell stories about an object, a, a specific artwork, you want to make it accessible, um, you, um, you have better possibilities, for example, when you have all the close-ups, for mm -hmm. example, you yeah. can really zoom in. Um, and use and, and by this method, for example, you can see much more. Sometimes you can see much more and much better uh, than if you stand in the museum and look at a painting from, let's say, a meter uh, distance. Yeah. Um, and you only have, have the, the original size, whereas when you have the close-ups, when you zoom in, then you, you uh, can see all the small details. Uh, and this is quite different experience I have to say mm -hmm, mm -hmm. and it allows you to um, uh, yeah experience and to to um, to get into a dialogue with the object in a in, in another way than just standing in front of it um, on the other hand of course you do not uh, experience the surroundings mm -hmm. you 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 miss the the noise you know from the floors mm -hmm. you know the wood floors when you walk on them you you, you don't have other voices may, may I just uh, interrupt you yeah quick, sure maybe for our listeners who might not be from Austria Vienna mm. or never have been yeah uh, we just need to maybe tell them how beautiful the rooms of the artworks are my pleasure, I would love to do so, yes. I mean, the Kunsthistorisches, let's start with our main building, the Kunsthistorisches Museum is uh, probably one of the most beautiful historic museums in the world because it was designed and planned as a treasure house for the very collections that mm -hmm. are still in there today. So the, the Kunsthistorisches Museum was built to house the imperial collections, mm -hmm. which also in 1891, when the museum was opened, uh, ranked amongst the most important and the most beautiful collections. We have Greek and Roman, we have Egyptian art, we have paintings, we have the Kunstkammer, um, uh, we have uh, coins and medals mm -hmm. only in the main building, we have other collections as well. Um, and the museum was, was built as a treasure house to, for these collections. Architecture, interior design and the collections form an entity. Mm -hmm. um, and this is almost unique, one could say. So. The moment um, uh, um, a visitor enters the museums, he, he's really in the, in the realm of the arts, in mm -hmm. the realm of the, the imperial collections. And uh, just by, by, you know, when, when you enter the entrance hall, it's, it's a dome, it's so beautiful. And then wherever you go, there is so much to see. And it's a historic building. So when you walk through the galleries, you still have the wooden floors, mm -hmm. you still have the paintings on the walls, you have the wonderful um, um, inlays in the walls and things like this. Um, in some of the collections, you still have the, the historic showcases. Mm -hmm. So it's really a very, very special atmosphere that also they add to the experience when you go and enjoy the collections. It definitely does. I and, can tell that. <laughs> and of course, this is 
you can you don't have this when you when you just um, uh, visit the digital museum mm -hmm. because mm -hmm. then you see the art works and of course you may have a stroll through the galleries you may have yeah. views through the galleries but this is this is only digital and and it's not the same look and feel let's mm -hmm. put it that way mm -hmm. and uh, coming back uh, about this online presence i mm -hmm. would like to know um, the, the learning factor you had from it and if you would um, continue mm -hmm. it in this uh, mm -hmm. strong way or if you would rather tone it down what was your overall experience well the digital museum uh, was something that we had to um, develop we did have quite a few digital offers but um, when the pandemic broke out, we had to kind of sort them out, straighten them out and put some more structure into them, um, communicate with our guests, with our visitors, with the friends of the museum. And of course, we had to invent new formats. It mm -hmm. was, we very soon, of course, found out uh, it doesn't work out in the same way and it's not as attractive to have just to film kind of guided tours. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. You know, you could do that, but that's not exciting. And uh, it's very difficult to kind of um, uh, follow the guide because, you know, you will look at the at the artwork and you film the guide uh, and so on. So we, we, we invented um, and tried out new formats like the Art Aperitivo, which is a very nice format um, where we have two, we have one curator and another person, uh, they do online, they do a talk. Mm -hmm. and, and sometimes it could be an academic talk, sometimes it could be like Art Aperitivo, you, you'd have your, your um, late afternoon drinks yeah. and you talk like with a friend or something. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Then of course we, we did offer um, uh, tours, uh, not, not strictly academic with an academic topic, but more light-footed, light light-hearted. Mm -hmm. Um, uh, we of course we knew that um, our audience would be much wider mm -hmm. we would have from very young people to older people to school classes to students uh, and of course um, the way you address them also the, uh, the how you um, deal with the topic is very different mm -hmm. and you for example you can look at a, at a painting by let's say by Rubens and we have a wonderful Rubens collection um, in, a, in a very academic way when yeah. you look at his style, mm -hmm. uh, which is very art historian, you know, to, to kind of look at it this way. You can tell the story, you can tell the mythology, yeah. and this is quite interesting. Um, you can talk about techniques, which might be more interesting for conservators or whatever. Um, but also, let's say, for, for the younger generation, they are confronted with, with the typical Rubens females, which are not too skinny, but mm -hmm. more like voluptuous women, beautiful women, and you find that the most beautiful women in Rubens paintings are always more fleshy and, and yeah. things like this. Um, and then you talk about uh, ideals of beauty. How does this mm -hmm. change? How how is is um, what what was considered to be a beautiful female, let's say, in the seventeenth century yeah. during the time of Rubens? What is it nowadays? How do I see myself? Mm -hmm. um, am I 
do I think I'm beautiful? What are the what are the criteria for you know the ideal ideas of, of mm. beauty and so on? So there are really various ways to um, to treat uh, or to look at one uh, at the same painting, depending on who do you talk with, mm. who is the person, the group that you're speaking with, and um, so we found that very interesting. We. Um, realized that we could um, really increase the number of our digital visitors very very much mm -hmm. we, we, we really increased them quite a bit um, we also found now that we are going back also of course to the real museum to the to analog museum um, where of course we said well we have we would probably reduce some of our digital offerings mm -hmm. We had some reactions from the people that said, oh no, don't do this because, you know, yeah. I used to, for more than a year now, I have been, you know, kind of looking at my watch Wednesday at uh, six o'clock in the afternoon, I have my art aperitivo with oh, you. Wow. And that's a great feedback. Yeah, that's a wonderful feedback. That's when you realize that all of a sudden you have become... Uh, the daily routine let's put it that mm -hmm. way the daily food the yeah. soul food whatever food the intellectual food yeah. for your your global global audience mm -hmm. and they wouldn't want to miss it and um, so for us of course uh, the challenge will be to find a good balance mm -hmm. between the digital museum that will always be there there is no way that the digital museum will uh, vanish or will go away it will always be there but we're of course very very happy that the museums are open again yeah. um, but uh, of course we also realized that um, our collections what, how we work with our collections what the stories that we tell about our collections about the art um, is is extremely important for so many people across the globe mm -hmm. and not everyone will have the chance to travel to Vienna will have the chance to visit the museum but um, uh, it is it has become important for them for their personality for their well-being um, to listen to the stories that art can tell to look at the art that they will only see it in, in a digital way and and of course this is our mission we mm -hmm. it's if we have to be there for the people we have to share um, what we know about our collections we have to be accessible in the best possible ways and uh, and of course we will continue to be there for our um, um, audiences um, here in vienna mm -hmm. but of course globally oh, wonderful um we're living in an era in which the shape of the museum and what it stands for and how it operates is being rapidly reconfigured. And if I ask myself, can museums tell stories in a new way? I must remember the magnificent exhibition research project on the creative process of Peter Bruegel the Elder. Um, in your presence, I wouldn't attempt to describe it myself. Um, would you do the honor about telling us more? Oh, about with this with project? with pleasure. Yes, <laughs> uh, the Kunsthistorisches Museum has the largest number of originals by Peter Bruegel, namely uh, twelve uh, panel paintings by Peter Bruegel the Elder, out of about forty 
panels uh, extant today. Uh, this means, and our, our panels, because they're so fragile, they're not allowed to travel. So mm -hmm. whenever you want to look at Peter Bruegel, when you want to enjoy Bruegel, when you want to study Bruegel, you have to come to Vienna. And uh, we did an intensive research project on our panels, um, which was um, co-financed by, uh, by the Getty Research Institute, mm -hmm. um, uh, uh, the Getty Painting Panel Initiative, it was called, um, uh, where we found that um, there are not so many conservators anymore who are uh, who have the possibility and the, the the knowledge and the expertise to do conservation work on panels, and so we need to kind of um, educate mid-career conservators uh, to make them uh, acquainted with uh, the the uh, respective technology. So uh, this is how we started out on the research project: how to uh, restore a panel painting by Peter Bruegel, for example, with all the technological aspects on, and, and so on. And then of course we had a lot of um, a lot of digital material uh, and we said well we can either keep it for ourselves and just say we know now we know so much about our yeah. own paintings but we, we don't want to let anyone else know or we share it with the peer group or we really share it with the world. And of course, it was obvious um, our choice that I said, no, of course, we do an exhibition. We want to share it with our audiences. And this will be the once in a lifetime possibility and chance to assemble as many originals by Peter Bruegel um, once in your lifetime, because you have this research aspect. And we were quite sure that any museum that owns an original by Peter Bruegel wanted to be part of this research project yeah. and wanted to really have the opportunity to see this very, very painting of the collection side by side by the other paintings by Peter Bruegel. And so we really had the spectacular number of 29 originals by Peter Bruegel mm -hmm. side by side by side in the Kunsthistorisches Museum for three months. And this was just breathtaking. Yeah. Um, uh, plus, we really also we added all the um, the technological material uh, that we had through the research project, plus lots of educational material. Um, um, we had um, Naturalia from Bruegel's time mm -hmm. where we could show uh, this is really to, to document really how close to real life the paintings by Peter Bruegel mm -hmm. are that they are almost documents, historical documents, mm -hmm. painted documents uh, of the time. And we just wanted to make the work and the world of Peter Bruegel via his art um, as accessible as possible. We also did have, and we still have it in our gallery spaces, uh, we also um, have some tactile objects. Yeah, I, I would uh, especially particularly highlight the range mm. of facilities and options yep. uh, for visitors with accessibility requirements, um, especially the tactile station. Mm -hmm. um, it allowed blind and partially sighted visitors to comprehend directly and intuitively with the highly detailed composition and its countless figures. Yeah, this was really fascinating. Uh, uh, people 
uh, with 100% abilities never think of, of any, any other people who might not uh, be without barriers in, in their, in their um, uh, experiencing art. And so we, um, for us it was important to make it accessible for people with, with bad eyes mm -hmm. uh, that they could kind of, uh, you know, touch objects uh, that, that that other people would see in the paintings, mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Um, just to 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 give them also the feel of dimensions of material and all of this, and and it's wonderful also to um, look or experience art um, with with the different senses. Someone who who is blind um, can only touch the objects. Has might have a different expression might have a different sentiment mm -hmm. than someone who looks at the painting and uh, and speaks about it um, uh, so we thought that that was that was very interesting to to share uh, of course the, the wonderful world of, of, of Peter Bruegel uh, in such a way and um, in, in our museum, we have uh, we have one colleague who is really, all, I, I dare say, an, an, an almost world expert um, on making uh, art accessible mm -hmm. to uh, people who do not really see, who are blind or deaf, mm -hmm. um, and and of course we are really convinced that um, the dialogue, the experience uh, or experiencing art is, is such an enrichment of your life mm -hmm. that we should also make this accessible uh, to as many people as we can. And let's say I, I got very curious to know more about Peter Preugel de Eller now. Mm -hmm. Is there any way I could still access this? Um, material yes yes at, at for especially for the exhibition we created a website mm -hmm. Peter Bruegel or inside Bruegel um, and it's still on you can still visit um, uh, visit the, the the website and it really allows you to zoom in into um, any any of our 12 originals then also you can you can experience the different layers mm -hmm. of the paintings by Peter Bruegel. You can see like the panel, the wooden panel, then the first layer, then the second layer. Then you can see the alterations uh, he did. Um, so it's really it's really uh, walking through the you know visually walking through the different layers of of the painting, and uh, and of course. The hidden world of mm -hmm. the um, of the, of the the panels by Peter Bruegel is is really exciting and and of course for us it was important to not only to have the website for the for the exhibition yeah. only but also to have it as an afterlife of the of the exhibition mm -hmm. um, and 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 this is a very popular one people love it because it's it's almost something like the behind the scene yeah. mm -hmm. uh, aspect when you visit the museum you always want to look at what's what's behind the behind curtain the what's behind the corner <laughs> um, um, and 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 this website really is something like what's below the, the layer one below mm -hmm. layer two and mm -hmm. so on and that's extremely exciting it sounds like yeah, yeah. Mm -hmm. further I would like to address another concern of tomorrow's museums uh, the one of sustainability mm -hmm. and the drive for museums to be more environmental compatible has never been more prominent um, or necessary 
This can be particularly challenging as preserving the past, educating the present and shaping the future to some extent um, comes at an obvious cost. And um, I wanted to know from you what additional new requirements arise from this claim to decrease the ecological footprint, especially in the context of international corporations, as you do so many, and also um, what measurements have already been taken placed in the Kunsthistorische Museum? Mm -hmm. Well, sustainability, um, um, ecology or ecological footprint, of course, the so-called green museum, yes. this, this of course is, is a notion that, that we're all concerned with. We um, use a lot of energy when you think about the lighting, mm -hmm. the cooling, mm -hmm. uh, the climatization of, of, of the, the, the spaces, the, mm -hmm. the gallery spaces, um, light, is a very um, is a is a hot topic basically that that you um, uh, try not to use like like um, um, uh, kinds of light that use a lot of energy but yeah. you want to go to low energy uh, kind of light measurements and things like this. Um, you have your showcases that have to have they have to preserve the mm -hmm. objects. You want to do it on a low energy uh, level. Things like this that really um, uh, uh, possess, I would almost say, our our conservators, mm -hmm. but also security in the museum, uh, facility management in the museum, mm -hmm. things like this. And then, of course, you mentioned international co cooperations. Um, uh, how can you, where can you be more conscious about the costs in, 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 in the sense of sustainability? Mm -hmm. um, when you, for example, when you create exhibitions, you want to have loans from international museums. Um, we used to kind of want to have every single loan possible no matter what it costs, this is different nowadays. We, um, uh, we ask our curators to be very cautious about the selection of the, of the uh, loans. We say, uh, do you really n want to have this uh, or need to have this loan for the storytelling of the exhibition? Or for example, could it be possible that you show it digitally, that you show it on the website, that you have or only in the catalog or whatever? Uh, that you find other ways of integrating objects into into the um, exhibitions, um, although you always want to uh, have um, originals mm -hmm. um, in in the exhibition, um, you try you um, or you debate. This is an, a, a debate um, in our international museums community. Um, in normal cases, we would accompany our objects, our loan mm -hmm. with couriers. Ah, okay. um, uh, and nowadays, also during the pandemic, when, when traveling was very, very difficult and still is, um, some countries uh, uh, do not allow um, uh, couriers to, to accompany uh, their objects. Mm -hmm. And then you have to find other ways then of course you do it digitally. You mm -hmm. have like you have videos. You you use a camera, and and for the installation, the installation and things like this. Um, you might this might be cost saving, but you have to check mm -hmm. every once in a while. It doesn't mm -hmm. always doesn't always work. And then also of course when you produce exhibitions, um, does it always have to have 
new showcases or can you reuse the showcases? Yes. Can you reuse some of the exhibition or display material mm -hmm. that would be helpful sometimes? So, so we have all become more considerate about, uh, about the resources um, and I think museums, of course, also have the same obligation to uh, care about sustainability, um, but uh, it takes time. Mm -hmm. um, and and of course, for museums like ours uh, that are that are uh, housed uh, housed in in uh, historic monuments yeah. and historic buildings. It's not so easy, you know, when you when your museum is a brand new one or is just yeah. being designed, then of course you have all these all these conditions and all these criteria and which will be fulfilled. And in a in a historic museum you probably won't have this automatically mm -hmm. or it will be very very difficult because you have uh, uh, you have conservation issues you also um, like in our museum this is this is is um, an, uh, or belongs to the cultural heritage mm -hmm. the architectural cultural heritage of Austria yeah. um, so it's it's not quite easy to bring in like new forms of, of energy, new forms of lighting, light systems, mm -hmm. new forms of, of climatization yeah. that are compatible with the cultural heritage uh, status. Yeah, I guess you must have been um, composed to a different set of challenges. As you mentioned, newer buildings have the opportunity to think about sustainability from the start mm -hmm, but mm -hmm. I guess around the 18-1900 sustainability wasn't a big thing uh, probably not in <laughs> probably not in this in probably not in this case even though we found out of course that for example the 19th century buildings Uh, they had w uh, wonderful ways of circulating fresh air and mm -hmm. things like this. Uh, so back then they didn't they didn't need uh, climatization, extra mm -hmm. climatization. But you have to think they did not have electric light, mm -hmm. and they did not have any heating. And of course, once these new inventions, uh, innovation uh, came into the museum, this kind of um, uh, uh, put this ecological system within um, uh, the, the, the historic architecture, of course, really put it to a challenge. And yeah. nowadays, uh, yeah, we're, we have to find different ways to deal with that. Um, this autumn, the institution will celebrate its 130th anniversary. Let me most warmly congratulate you on Thank that. Thank you. Um, are there any festivities planned? Well, yes, of course, we celebrate our birthday, mm -hmm. which is uh, October 17. And uh, we have a great day for us um, uh, uh, in the planning. We, uh, we have a, a very dense education program. We, did, we do different kinds of tours, also backstage tours, interactive, many, many things. We, um, uh, and then from, uh, I think, uh, after the regular opening hours, we have like an open house where we invite um, the locals who could not come during the day. Uh, we invite them to come during the night uh, with free entrance, which mm -hmm. is our gift. And of course, I think one of the biggest gifts uh, we're giving not only to us but also to our audiences is our big um, exhibition on Titian, mm -hmm. 
which is we have one of the largest collections of Titian's paintings and we do an exhibition on Titian's image of women, mm -hmm. which is celebrating women in various aspects, in their beauty, in their way of, or in the aspects of being heroines, in religious stories, heroines in mythology, heroines in philosophy, in literature, uh, then of course the most desirable objects for lovers. And uh, so we will, we will have a very beautiful and, and, and just fantastic um, uh, exhibition with, with uh, many 60 paintings by Titian and his contemporaries. This will be a big birthday present, I would say. Mm -hmm. Throughout the year we offer um, everyone free entrance on uh, his birthday, his or her birthday. Yeah. So when it's your birthday, you can come to the Consistorius Museum and we will oh. offer you free entrance and some, some goodies. So we share more or less uh, yeah. birthday. So um, yes, for us, our uh, 130th um, anniversary is a big thing and we want to, we want to celebrate with, with our, our friends. We will definitely look forward to it and um, thanks again for your time and your wonderful vision and telling us so much about this uh, Kunsthistorische Museum. Well, thank you so much. My pleasure. Please do come and visit us, maybe in Vienna or may you visit the Digital Museum. Will thank do. you. Thank you. <laughs> thank you.